Welcome to the anointed and transformational teaching ministry of Pastor Wale Akinshiku, Senior Pastor of House of Praise Mississauga, Canada, a parish of the redeemed Christian Church of God. It is our prayer that as you listen to this message, you will be empowered to achieve your dreams and fulfill your destiny. God bless you as you listen. Father, we thank you and we honor you. We'll give you the glory forevermore, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Motive of stewardship. Motive of stewardship. The first reason why we serve, the first reason why we serve is, number one, because of the love of God. Because we love God. Service is an expression. It's one of the expressions we have to show that we love God. Now, the Bible tells us in the book of Matthew, chapter 22, verse 37. Let's start from verse, let's start from verse 37. Matthew 22, from verse 37. Jesus said to them, now they were asking Jesus a question here. What is the greatest commandment? Then Jesus said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind. He said, in verse 38, he said, this is the first and the great commandment. Verse 38, he said, verse 39, he said, the second one is like it. The second one, it's like it, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Then the third, then the verse 40, he said, on these scriptures, hang all the law and the commandments of the prophets. In other words, every principle you see in the Bible is determined by this one. These principles you see in the Bible, every word of God you appropriate in the Bible, every promise, every principle you apply in the Bible is only going to work in your life to the degree to which you are obeying this scripture. That's what, Bible, that's what Jesus, Jesus is saying this. Jesus is saying this. And in theology, they tell us that what Jesus says is the foundation of Christianity. What Jesus says is most important. So if Jesus is saying something, you've got to pay very, very strong attention to it. So you've got to understand the love of God. Now, the Bible tells us in the book of 1 John chapter 4, and verse 19, it tells us that we love him because the reason why we love God is because he first loved us. What this is saying, uh, another way of saying it is this. If you don't yet love God or express, or uh, if you're not yet expressing your love of God fully the way you ought to, it's because you don't understand that God loves you. <laughs> the Bible tells us that we love him. Why? Because he first loved us. So how did he demonstrate his own love towards us? By giving his only son. The book of Romans chapter 5 verse 8 tells us that God demonstrated his love towards us in that he sent his only begotten son to die for you and I. So, listen to this very carefully. When somebody, one of the tests to know if somebody is genuinely born again is their willingness to serve. Today, we have a lot of false conversion. A lot. There's a lot of false conversion. People just, I just, sometimes people are sitting in church and maybe they come with their children and they, there is a call for salvation. And the parents start elbowing the children. Go, why don't you go out forward? Just go, they want to pray for you. Go and give your life. The person has not been touched on the inside, but they've been elbowed on the outside. <laughs> so the person just chewing gum, chewing gum, just goes there. The pastor says, repeat this after me. He's looking at the man. What should I repeat? Whatever he's saying, the man, his man is saying. After he said, he go back and said, he's as dead in his trespasses as when he came out. Nothing has happened on the inside. But we don't know that. Physically, we don't know that because we cannot see into the realm of the spirit with our physical eyes. But we can test it, what has happened. We, don't, we can know it by the fruit. Somebody said, well, how, how can you judge if, if somebody saved? You don't know it's only the work of God. Jesus told us we can judge. Matthew chapter 7, verse 20. Jesus told us we can judge. He said, by their fruit, 
You shall know them. Jesus told us we can judge. He said, therefore, by their fruits we will know them. And one of the fruit is that the person will be willing to serve. Once you are there, because the love of God will so overwhelm you to know that, wow. Because once you're born again, one of the things that happen to you immediately is Romans chapter 5, verse 5. The love of God is shed abroad in your heart. So that love that is shed abroad in your heart, the, one of the things it does for you is that it's compelling you to serve. How do I know that? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and the 14th verse. It says, for the love of Christ, what does it do? Compels us. It compels. Compels you means that it's giving you, it's putting an internal weight in you that makes you restless until you do it. That's what the word compels means. He's putting pressure, subtle pressure on your heart. You will not feel that, you won't feel that level of comfort until you act on it. But this love of Christ cannot be in you until you're born again. So when people are not serving, you want to ask the question first and foremost, is he really born again? You know, so they're practicing churchianity and not Christianity. So if the willingness to serve is not there, that's why when people get born again, the way one of the ways you know is that even immediately after, two minutes after, three minutes after, they want to get involved. They're already asking questions. Well, how can I get involved? How can I get involved? Look at the Ethiopian Enoch in Acts chapter 8. When, when the man understood salvation and he got saved, when he saw water, he was the one that asked Philip. He said, this is water. He told Philip, this is water. I want to be baptized. Oh, Philip was still saying, well, I mean, if you believe. The man said, I believe. I'm the one that saw the water. I believe. I believe. So when you are, when you are genuinely born again, you really want to serve. So that's one of the reasons why we serve. We serve the, when you see people really, really pour into your, their heart into it. You know, some people that are carnal, they say, oh, but what is the need for you? What's your problem? Why are you killing yourself? It's the love of God that is compelling me. Put it again. Look at it again. The love of Christ compels us. It's the love of Christ that is compelling us. It's the love of Christ compelling us. So why do we serve? We serve because of the love that we have for God. And it's amazing in the Bible that a lot of the promises that Christians claim casually, they don't work for people that don't love God. Now Christians claim this. They claim all these promises powerfully and say, well, I just know. Let's look at one of them that they claim. Favorite scriptures. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. Christians wrote <laughs> some of the favorite scriptures of Christians. Okay. All things work together for good. Full stop. No. All things work together for good to a specific group of people, to those that that's it. So when you are not serving and you don't, they're not expressing your love for God, listen to me, all things cannot work together for good. It only works together for good when you are, when you love God. Then you know that no matter what Satan throws your way, he's going to work together for your God. So you see Christians, you know, they, cut, they write this thing out and say, promise for today. Christians that don't, they go to church once a month, that don't serve, they are not involved. They even say with their own mind, I don't, I kind of like, I'm kind of like a quiet person, I don't want to get involved because I don't really like anybody knowing me. They, kind of, they like to get into people's business. I don't like that. I don't like to get into people's business. They even say with their own mind, and they're claiming this as a promise for the day. The scriptures cannot be broken. Jesus said that. It only works together for good for those that love God. Let's look at another one. First Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. First Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. What does it say? Eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, neither has they entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. So God was going to do incredible things. People say, Amen. But he said, uh, for those who love him. If you, read, if you read Psalm 91 also, that we quote and we pray about, Psalm 91, verse 10 says, No evil shall befall you. 
No plague shall come near your dwelling place. We like that. But, he said, but the Bible says, goes on to say there. He said, because he has set his love on me. Because he has set his love on me. Because he has set his love on me. So a lot of these scriptures only answer to a specific group of people that love God. Listen very carefully. The love that God has for you and I is unchangeable. That will not increase or decrease. But the love we have for God is changeable. And a lot of the, a lot, if you read the Bible very well, you will realize that a lot of the great promises of God is not dependent on God's love for us. He's dependent on our own love for him. But our love for him is in response to our understanding of his love for us. Does this make sense? Ah. So when you read it, did notice that he didn't say, oh God, all things work together for those that God loves. It's for those that love God. So it's you. It depends on you. God is the constant in the mathematical equation. You and I are the variables. So the reason why we're serving then is, ah, ah, the love we have for God. If not for God, we'll have gone to hell. If not for God, it will have been over for us. Some people don't appreciate the fact that they were so close to hell before God saved them. You don't have to appreciate that. One of the things you should pray, and I really pray for you also, that God will open your eyes, you will catch a glimpse of hell. Once you catch a glimpse, I'm not saying you're going there, I'm saying catch a glimpse. <laughs> Once you catch a glimpse, it will change your life. It will change your Christianity. You, where you behave, it will change. When you see, when you see, just, just pray God to just open up your eyes or open your ears if you're too afraid of with your eyes. Open your ears to hear the groaning. And one day you just go to bed, regular day, and you sleep. And somehow, God will just visit you and open up your ears to hear the groaning, the agony. When you just hear the agony, when you wake up, you will just wake up, look for your Bible. <laughs> Even if your wife or your husband is saying, oh, where are you going? Say, psh, psh. <laughs> you find yourself in one corner. You just, you are worthy, Lord. You are worthy. You, 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 to change your life. You to change your life. Change your life. And you and I were so close. We were one step away from entering into this agony forever before the love of God rescued us. Rescued us. Rescued us. So we're serving God because of the love of God. Why are we serving God? Because, number two, of the Great Commission. We're serving God because we have a mandate of the Great Commission. The main primary focus of Jesus Christ, after we are saved, is that you and I can be useful. Somebody say useful. That's it, useful. Use to the full. That's what useful means. Two words joined together. God wants you and I to be used to the full maximum impact that we can give. Okay? So he wants us to be useful in his kingdom. And the great commission is a commandment for everybody, not for a pastor or the people in the five-fold offices. The pastors, prophets, evangelists, teachers, and apostles, their role is to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Not for the, listen very carefully, it didn't say for the work of BA or IT. I know that we do that as a church. We do all of that as a church, project management. We do the training. But the, the primary core purpose, and you know, it's amazing. And, and I say this to pastors all the time. Please don't make the minor the major. The career department that we set up in the church, and you know, you know how to I mean, they call, even call us the BA church. They call us the project management church. They call us, because we brought these things down. We brought these things into, into this city. There's no doubt about that. Is that not true? Yes, sir. Oh, that's a fact. That's a fact. And, 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 but don't make, I tell people, don't make the minor. So, well, you know, what the church should be doing now is that the church should be doing things that are practical, that can practically help people. They can be practically helped and eternally lost. 
practically helped and eternally lost. But we have to balance it while we must remain. The focus is the focus. We must keep our eyes on the eternal. While, yes, of course, we're doing the practical to make us better people to serve here on that. Does this make sense? So we have to understand that the Great Commission is still the Great Commission. Jesus told us that go into all the world. So let's look at it. Matthew chapter 28. Let's start from verse 18. Matthew 28 from verse 18 to 20. Jesus said, all power in heaven and on earth has been given unto me. Okay? It's been given unto me. And said, then go therefore. Verse 18. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Verse 20 says, Lo, I'm with thee always. This is another promise we claim. We say, God has said, He will never leave us nor forsake us. It's true. But it's for those that have gone, not for those that are sitting. Because why? Why? Why is that? Because God Himself is not sitting down, as in, as in God, the, God, the Holy Spirit, who is here now, representing the Godhead on earth, is active. So the Bible tells us that in Mark chapter 16, verse 20, that God is active. It says, and they went out preaching. God was walking with them. God was not sitting at home. He was walking with them. Walking with them. So God wants to walk. Do you? So the Great Commission is, part, is a key part. No, every Christian, nobody is exempted from it at any time. The only time you and I will be exempted from the Great Commission is when we join the cloud of witness. When we're no longer here, then we're exempted. As long as we have life, breath in us, nobody's exempted. We must, we must, must. Someone say must. must. Yeah, we must. We must reach out. And this has a two-part dimension. There is a direct part and there's an indirect part. The direct part is the people you meet, the people within your circle of influence. You have to speak to them about God. One way or the other, you must find a way of putting it in a conversation somehow. If you have any friend of yours that you love, or any family member that is yet to give their life to Christ, you must pray for them in your personal devotion. Pray for them that the power of the enemy over blocking their, their view will be broken. Say amen, please. Amen. Pray for them that the forces holding them down. You know, you see, because there is nobody, including a madman, that they will show fire and show a beautiful house and say, and says, mm, no, I'm not to go into the fire. Nobody will ever choose that. It's because they are blinded. The Bible tells us that in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3 to 4, that the God of this world has blinded them. So when we can, if we can pray and take away the veil, which the, what's the, Bible, the Bible calls it, take away the veil and their eyes can be opened, then they can understand the gospel. Everybody that understands the gospel is very simple. So you've got to pray for them, then you've got to reach out to them. Then the second part is that when, you, when we contribute together, that's why it's called the great co-mission. Co-corporate mission. It's one person cannot do it. So when we come together, we can engage the forces of economies of scale, we can engage with those forces so that we can do a lot more together than one individual can do. So one will chase 8,000 and two, 10,000. So we can have an aggregation of power by geometric progression, not arithmetic progression. Are you following now? So it can be, our impact can be exponential. So you have a role to play. Give out flyers to people. Pray for things. And when we have programs that is set up, to create a, a platform to maximize the impact of the Great Commission, like Open Heavens Day, you have to completely give yourself to it. God is checking your love level. He's checking your usefulness level. You have to understand that consistently. You have to understand that consistently. You have to understand that consistently. Some, some years ago, maybe about three, two years ago, 2015 or so, this is a true life story. I started in a meeting, and we, they were talking about, oh, this is, and this has happened about three or four times now. 
oh, talk, talking about, oh, you know, uh, Pastor Debo is coming to Canada. Oh, you know, we're having a convention. Oh, this and that. We have a bit of a constraint here, a constraint there, one constraint in the budget here, another constraint in the budget there, and all of that. And after the meeting, I spoke to the chairman, and I told him, I said, listen, this is something that we can, we can support out of this. Because people are going to be saved. Your church paid $80,000 to pay for the venue for the convention. We contributed huge resources in prayer. We contributed money. We set up, we set up buses on our own to move people to the place. This is all important because it's a great commission. Mm -hmm. Don't sit down there and just say, what will God do for me? Mm -hmm. Ask yourself the question, what can I do to move the work of God forward? Amen. What can I do? What can I do? What can I do? What can I do to move the work forward? The Great Commission. Why do we serve? Number one, the love of God. Number two, Great Commission. Number three, why do we serve? It is the only key to relevance and greatness in the kingdom. There is no other way. Show me if you find it in the Bible. That in the kingdom of God, you can have relevance in the kingdom of God. That your destiny will be remembered and life will not be wasted. Without service, it's not possible. Jesus said that. Mark chapter 9, verse 33. Let's start from verse 33. Mark chapter 9, let's start from verse 33. Relevance and greatness. You know, you have to understand something about relevance. Uh, maybe one of these days I will teach extensively on relevance. Lack of relevance really leads to frustration. Because God did not create man to be relevant. God created man to be influential, to be relevant. Okay, look at what Jesus said. He came to Capernaum and he was in the house. He asked them, what were you disputing among yourselves on the road? Keep going, please. Um, they said, uh, they kept silent. Because on the road they were disputing who would be the greatest. <laughs> Keep going, please. So he sat down. He called the twelve together. And he said to them, if anybody desires to be first, then he has to be last first. He has to be the servant of all. The only way to go to the top is to be the servant of all. You know, this is a very, very important concept. Today, people are aspiring to come to the front in Christianity on the platform of Instagram and Facebook. The thing is no longer about paying the price. It's not all about glamour, glitz, and Instagram, and how many likes do I have on Instagram, and how many people are following me on Facebook, how many people are following me on Instagram, you know, look at my kitchen, look at my house, I'm cutting plantain, I'm frying plantain, I'm going to the washroom, I just took a glass of water. It's all about that now. Ministry, ministry has completely changed. Ministry has completely changed. Ministry is no longer about the price to pay. There's no longer what we used to call in ministry, travel, so that you can prevail. All those things are not popular anymore. <laughs> I remember one, 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 one man of God called the meeting of his church and started speaking and said, how are we going to grow this church and everything? And some people were trying to mention about prayer. The man said, no, 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 we're looking for some modern techniques, um, Facebook and social media, modern techniques to grow the church. This thing does not grow by software. It grows by hardware. It's hardware. <laughs> it's hardware. It's hardware. Everything is hard. It's hard. It's, you, see, you see, the ark of covenant is always carried on the shoulder of men. Yeah, that's the way God says it. The presence of God. Somebody must take responsibility. The first time they did, they put some technology together called the cart. It was the new technology. Then. It was the latest technology. They put the ark on it. God said, I'm not comfortable. So he wanted to fall down. Oh, read it when you get home. God said, I'm not comfortable on the technology. I'm going to fall down. Because I need to be on the shoulder. Somebody needs to take responsibility for my presence. So God said, you can't, you can't put me on animals. You can't put me on technology. So God wanted to fall down. One man said, no, no, sit down here. Don't fall down. His name is Uza. As he stretched out his hand, the Bible said, God struck him. And God said, leave me. Let me fall down. The man died. 
David took off. <laughs> David ran. He said, I can't deal with this thing. <laughs> said, I thought it was an ordinary box. I can't, <laughs> I can't do this thing. So the Bible says, David went and inquired and said, what happened? They told him that this thing must be carried on the shoulder of men. It is the most gruesome thing they ever did. They went for about 20 miles, about 17 to 20 miles. And every six steps they took, they would stop. They would sacrifice an animal. They, they would burn it. The cloud would fill the whole place. They would worship. Then they would take another six steps. Then they would do that again. It's a huge. It's huge. It's price to pay. That is why the Davidic kingdom is still continuing. You see, because what will endure, somebody must first endure to produce it. That's why it's going to, all this Facebook, Instagram thing is okay. Don't get me wrong, it's okay. But you see, what people are making a mistake. You see, this is the user friendly part. The computer is not what you see. The thing, the, thing, the real computer, at least I did that. I mean, I have a diploma in it, so I should understand that. The thing that is really called the computer, and the thing you don't see, made from sand. Those things that are, you don't see them, the ones and the zeros running up and down inside the machine. You don't see those ones. That's the reason. If you take that one out of it, the thing you are calling user-friendly, you will never see anything again. The thing will go bland. Is that not true? Yes. You just remove the chip. Once you remove the chip, that's it. The whole computer is dead. That small little thing, just unplug the chip. Every other thing, move the mouse. You say the mouse is the mouse. That's exactly what it is. It cannot move. My point is this. If you take prayer out of it, nobody will even go to your Facebook page. For a minister of impact, that's what it takes. The prayer. The fasting, it will never change. There's no modern way. You can't delegate the fasting to a computer. You can say, well, you know, kind of like we've created a new software now. Software, Fellowship One, be fasting for me. <laughs> Somebody still has to take responsibility for the presence of God because God says our body is in temple. So it is when we walk into a place that we carry the presence and the anointing of God. Can I hear an amen from somebody? Yeah. I hope you will really understand this concept. So, listen to me. We have, to, we have to understand that greatness is in service. Jesus said it. He said, if you want to be the first of all, there's nothing bad in it. You want to have ambition, nothing bad in it. Just understand you will be the servant of all. You will be stretched. You will send you up and down. You won't control your own agenda. You won't control your schedule. You won't determine what time you sleep. I slept for only three hours today now. Do will I say now because I slept only three hours, I'm not going to come here. What do you mean I'm not going to come here? I'm here. I have to be I have to be. That's, this is what I have to do. There's no, there's no question about it. I have to do it. I live one hour drive away. When I say, oh, it's snowing, you know what I mean? You can say it's snowing, I don't feel like today, and not come. You can say that. I cannot. I can never say that. What do you mean I don't feel like? I have to feel. I have to get myself to feel like. I have to take my Bible and say, feel, enter into me, because I have to do, do this thing. So no, no, I don't feel like. Don't I go through the same challenges you go through? I, went, I go through the same challenges. I did this thing. I mean, they're here. I did this thing. I couldn't pay my rent. I had to go to Mississauga Tribunal to stand there. I stood in Mississauga Tribunal. The same week, I came here on a Friday, and I'm preaching. Same week. Same week, I don't have a place to live anymore. They've kicked me out of the house. I'm still here, still preaching. And I did not tell a dime. I didn't tell anybody in church. Not one person. Not privately, not publicly. What are you talking to me? I don't feel like. I don't feel like. But you see, if you want to be first, you want to be the leader, or you want to have a, you are so kind of like, uh, you know, um, you know, pastor kind of like, you know, you just kind of, this is, you want to be the leader. You pay the price. Yesterday I thought to myself, oh, Saturday, I can rest, I can relax a bit. When God spoke to me here on Friday, I said, no, do something for the Ignite Church. 
I announced it. I thought it was going to be something a bit, but when, once I woke up in the morning, I could feel the presence of God that this thing is going to be very destiny changing. So get yourself really ready. And I understood what I meant. That means a deeper dimension of prayer than the usual. So I went into it. And the people that came, they will tell you, it was, the presence of God hits this place. All they will say, oh, young girls don't like praying. It's a lie. Don't say that. Don't say that anymore. They were here yesterday praying to the Almighty God. You will never believe it. A lot more than the adults. What is my point here now? Yeah, yeah. They were here yesterday doing that. This whole sanctuary was filled to an overflow. For a program that won't announce less than 24 hours. Yeah, you know, but you see, it's because a price. That's how it works. It's price. That's how it works. It's price. So listen to me very carefully. You want to be the best? God says, no problem. Be willing to pay the price. One man came, I'm sure their mother must be from Africa. Two people. They went to tell their mom to go and talk to Jesus. In my position. They must be Africans. And they went, the mom, and you know, the mom followed them. Just like my mom will have followed me. And the mom followed them. And the mom said to Jesus, you know, the man, look at what the mom said. The mom said, there are two important chairs. One on your right and one on your left. And I have two sons. Let one sit here. And she did not leave the other one free. She said, I want James to be here and I want John to be here. Ah, what kind of a mom is this? But Jesus did not knock the ambition. Jesus did not say, oh, you're too ambitious. That's bad. Jesus said, the only reason why you're saying this is you don't know the price. So Jesus said, listen to me. Can you be dipped into something? And can you drink something? That's what it means. He said, can you be baptized? And can you take the cup? There is something that things you will be dipped into. Challenges you'll be dipped into. You'll be deep in challenges that will overwhelm you. Baptism means to be completely covered with water. It means you'll be completely covered with challenges. <laughs> Eventually, they'll bring you out. Then you are qualifying a little, little by little. Then they will give you some things to drink that will alter the shape of your body. <laughs> it's called challenges of life. Challenges of life. Have you ever sat on a chair that is three legs? Not, not, not four. And I'm not talking of design. Just, just so, so, so you, and you have to balance yourself. So when you wake up in the morning and you're walking, it's almost like you're not walking straight. Somebody says, well, what, what's going on? Is the chair you see? Is the bed you slept on? <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Challenges of life. Challenges of life. Topsy and I, we ate rice. Just white rice. Not out of choice. Some people eat it out of choice because that's their best food. Out of every single day for seven straight days. And we have to manage the the red compliment that comes with the rice. I won't call it a stew. I won't call it a soup. It's just something. Many it's just seven days. Finally, God gave us one powerful breakthrough after a while. This is, I'm pastoring the church now. We're able to do jollof rice. I was very happy. And finally, ah, can take jollof rice. So we did the jollof rice. And the goal was to do quite a bit. So now we can eat it for another seven days. I went to preach on Sunday morning. I will never forget. It was, it was, um, um, Iceland. Our surprise was about 25, 30 people. I went to preach. I'd forgotten. I've closed the pot. As I entered after the Sunday service into the basement in Vaughan, we're living in Vaughan, the smell welcomed me. I was so angry. Angry with God more than I was angry with Satan. I was very angry. I was broke. I had no money, no money at all. As in, no money at all. As in, I only have the 
bus ticket that is left for one or two days to go to school. I was learning, doing diploma in IT then. Nothing at all. And people have just been blessed in church. So while I sat down there, still thinking, who should I fight first? Is it God or Satan? <laughs> Suddenly, Topsy came to me. That's why you need to marry your destiny partner. Not the wife that would turn some situation like that into a divorce issue. I said, I'm leaving you. Look at you. You can't even get food to do No, no, no. My father never done. No, 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 no. She just came to me. She said, let's, let's check the house and see if we can get something. I can almost tell you that the money we found in the house on that day, God, angel dropped it. So we took every pocket, emptied every pocket. Finally, we got about 97 cents. This was in Tonyo, Chilmas Road, Chilmas Street. We drove all, we went, drove, what do you mean drove? <laughs> Walked to no frills to buy tomato puree to be able to do a concussion. May you never know what a concussion is. <laughs> concussion, just mix things together as long as it's edible. It doesn't have E. coli, put it in your stomach. You survive for the next two, three days. That's what the conclusion. So I went there. When I got to the POS and I was counting the coins, Topsy moved me aside. She said, This will be too, it will be too much for you. But you see, the, well, my memory is a photographic memory. So my, the thing about my memory is already captured it. I told her, I'm already, I'm already captured this thing. She started, she now gave it to the girl. They counted it. The girl now said, Only one, just one tomato peel. Tomato, not turmeric. What's it called? Crushed tomato, you know that. You eat it a lot now, just, you know. <laughs> Yes, yes, yes. Just we, not, we carry the can you imagine? husband, the whole husband and wife. Eh? Pastor. Powerful destiny. Eh? The man that will still be a host for open heavens. God knows that guy. I carry, carry one, one to me. But you see, heaven was testing. Heaven was testing. We'll now go back home. You know, it's amazing how we go back home. Topsy just started whistling some songs. I joined her, you know, and the, the atmosphere was an atmosphere of joy. We ate it, and I remember the Bible said, you know, when you eat vegetables in the atmosphere of love, it's better than a feast where there's, where, there's, where, there, where there's quarrel. Are you hearing me now? The love of God, service. This, this, so you want to be great? God says, no problem. Are you ready to pay the price? The price starts with service. You want to be relevant? You want to be influential? Then you pay the price. Let me give you one last one. I think this is important. I think this is important. It's Psalm 22, verse 30. NKJV says, you will serve and it will be accounted to your children. That's what he's saying. That's what he's saying. Look at it now. A posterity shall serve him. It will be recounted to which generation now? To the next generation. So listen to this. If you are not serving, you are not doing what you ought to do right now, you are cheating your children. You are cheating your children of the favor. That ought to accrue to them. God never pays one generation the full price of what they served. Never. He never, he will break this world if he does that. He allows you to serve and serve and serve. Then he pays you something, he withholds the remaining. To, for your children. And those ones will also, so that is why when you have the God of Abraham that started and his own father was an idol worshiper. So God pays him and stops. But he's really blessed. But Isaac now, in Genesis 26, God now tells Isaac that I'm blessing you because of your father Abraham obeyed me. Abraham, Isaac is now greater. But Isaac doesn't get everything to. He waits for Jacob. Then Jacob becomes the greatest. You see now, it's increasing in every generation because the thing is accruing. Are you following what I'm saying now? So it's only going to stop when one generation stops. They will spend the whole favor and they will not make any input. Then they will expend the whole favor of that family. They never make any input. Then the next generation starts suffering. 
So you now, your parents might not have been Christians, but you are now. It, your lack of service is denying your children favor. It's denying them major, major breakthrough. No, I mean, I, I've got to say this to you. Listen to me. I, I, I take time to study. You know, uh, um, there's a study, there's a field called anthropology, which is basically the study of human beings. I take some time to, to really study. I'm not an anthropologist, but I just like knowledge. So I try and study and understand human nature. Human nature is either fear motivated or benefit motivated. It's either pain or gain. And God prefers to motivate us with gain than with pain. But if you will not listen to the gain, then you will have to bear the pain. Please, don't let your children start with the negative. Serve. Serve. Open Heavens is coming right now. We already have, well, man, we run the program with about 600 people. We still need maybe about 40, 50 volunteers, which is not a big deal. 40, 50 volunteers is not a big deal at all. Uh, but, you know, even if they tell you that they don't have space anymore, you should walk up to them and tell them, no, 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 you must create one for me. Give me something to do. Uh, even if I just come for 20 minutes and do something, you must give me something. Because you want to make a deposit. Are you falling? Is, any, is it clear to anybody? You want to make a deposit. Listen to me, my brothers and my sisters. Nobody's too big to serve. Nobody's too big to buy. You know my, you know my, my dad, as I'm talking to you right now, my dad should be, it will be, it's not like he has told me, but I can guarantee you where, I know where it will be. Because it's, it's um, 10, it's about, four, I don't know, 3 p.m. right now in Nigeria. Is that like he's going to have a meeting after the church service or he's going for evangelism after that? Straight. He's gone to one village, he's gone to one place, trying to get through flyers, trying to reach out to people to be saved. He's still loading up favor for his children. Still loading up. That is why in the Nigeria of today, as difficult as the economy is, six children from a lower middle class family, not one, five of them are in the state of Nigeria, not one of them ever applied for a job. Not one. All of them, they were picked out and given. Picked out. One of my sisters, uh, there's this program that happens in Nigeria, it's a national slavery service, I mean, national youth service. While she was doing that, it's compulsory for everybody that's a graduate in the country. While she was doing that, she did something very well in the camp, and she was giving the speech. While she was giving the speech, the man that was a guest of honor saw her, gave her a job. Just the, giving the speech. That's it. That's how God picked everybody, picked every one of them. In the Nigeria of today. And in the Nigeria of today. What was because of their favor? I don't know if you're hearing what I'm saying. You're spending a lot of money on your children to equip them with skill. Please pay the price of sacrifice to bless them with favor. Stand on your feet like a champion. This is the end of the message. We are sure that you have been blessed. For more information, please visit our website at www.houseofpraise.ca. God bless you.